0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Carla Heraldo velos work revolves around identity, vulnerability, love, gender roles, and the mechanisms in human relationships. She uses a hybrid model of performance, photography, and text to blur the lines between reality and fiction. Her practice is one that is in constant community with strangers, grappling with aspects of humanity that we can all relate to or we all struggle with. What I love about her work is its deep and unfiltered vulnerability and how that emerges through all of her endeavours.
1: Every time I make a project, it's because it comes from a problem that I have, kind of, right? So for sure, it's a way also for me to resolve that problem or at least create a conversation about this problem and bring in some other people to help me out.
0: <laughs> I'm Jen Fletcher and this is The Messy Truth Conversations on Photography. Carla is a visual artist working primarily with photography. She graduated from ECAL with an MA in 2018. Her work has been featured at ARL, the Photo Museum, the BIP Photo Festival, and she has been part of Foam Talent and the Olympus Recommended Fellowship. Her first photo book, Hollow Me a Mole, was part of the Aperture First Book Awards in Parry Photo 2019. I just want to add a personal note here, guys. During my conversation with Carla, I was recovering from surgery, which had affected my voice box. So you might find I'm a little bit raspy or hoarse during some of our conversations. So apologies for that. So what made you want to connect the dots between performativity and photography?
1: This is kind of just a random, I don't know, kind of fate, kind of thing. Uh, I just studied photography as in my bachelor in Paris, and there I was more focusing on technique, uh, I guess. And I, w- I remember I was approaching uh, minimalism and stuff like this, which today is really not <laughs> not one of my interests. But then when I arrived to to at doing my master, I discovered. Um, all of these new artists and new ways to to include yourself in your work. Of course there is always like I was always scared to to make work that would be very narcissistic or that wouldn't interest anyone. Um, so I just started to kind of explore broader concepts like interesting concepts that i mean that were interesting to me and then link them to personal experiences and this is where you mix the kind of just more more classical artistic approach to performance and i would just link them too.
0: a lot of your themes like love and intimacy and human relationships and and all of that entanglement is something that different cultures talk about in different ways like some cultures are really open about to talking about those things you know I know in England like there's a lot of reservations still to talk about sex in a public way so I think that's something that I find really exciting about what you're doing combining the personal with these themes which affect us all you know
1: yeah I guess as well it's just more um how to say when talking about such touchy themes like feminism self-representation love intimacy sex like all these things, where everyone has an opinion about and a valid opinion, but that's that's exactly it. Everyone has an opinion about so about these these things, and it's a very personal opinion. And so I wouldn't and couldn't talk about these things saying, "Oh, a love is works like this for everyone." And uh, I don't know, a gender works like this for everyone. Feminist? No, it's my feminism my experience with my gender blah 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 in my city at a certain time and this is where performative performativity um, I feel like it's the most uh, adequate uh, medium because it's set in a place and time and it's I don't know if it, it's just through through the eyes of one person that is telling one story and yeah, it's not giving a lecture to everyone about what is this and that
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your process? Because from the outside, you know, I've listened to a lot of talks that you've done. I've read a lot of interviews with you. It feels like you have this combination of like an intense rigor and research, while also holding space for chance and like the unexpected to happen. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how much is planned out and how much is this kind of like beautiful, unexpected chaos that emerges?
1: Sure, um, it's more chaos and ex- and unexpected than, than the other way, <laughs> uh, for sure. I just I grab on one idea that I have, um, often that comes actually from a previous project. So every project go hand in hand, and I would have another idea or just notice something um, in society or my life or whatever, and then write it down and. Uh, kind of frame it exactly like you would do for a live performance like you yeah you frame an idea like in time and with how many people you want to interact what do you want to discover what do you want to what kind of like physical actions you want to do and stuff like this where do you want it to happen and so on and uh, and then you just hope for the best you i research a little bit of course about what's have been done before Uh, maybe not to repeat uh, and also to be inspired and then it's kind of like go like for my project uh, man in public space it was really like this I I was like I just sometimes I was I was listening to a lot more and more stories about uh, sexual harassment in the street and the public space navigating the public space as a woman and and hearing my friends telling me stories and every time we would always conclude the discussions by saying, man, I, man, man, I wish I was a man sometimes in the street. Like, I guess every woman thought that at some point point. and I was like, okay, that's it. I want to be a man in the streets. So, and then I framed this by hiring a makeup artist um, buying some clothing, saying that I would do the that would that would transform my, myself into Carlos uh, for a week in my city, like uh, three or four hours a day, and blah blah blah, and then I did it. But I I didn't know at all what would be my the end result and the aesthetics of the series if it was going to be more video based or photo based or text based and where I was going to exhibit it, and so on.
0: Yeah there's so much to unpack in that project it's really interesting i guess for me i'd love to hear about what the emotional journey was like making that work and how it felt going through that transformation and and actually being in your body during the performance it was so stressful <laughs>
1: actually i kind of oh my god i didn't uh, anticipate it that i was that I, that it was going to be so intense on my on me, I don't know. It's Well, first I had to wake up every day around six because the makeup artist was at home at seven and we would transform me for an hour or two. And then I had to, you know, gather the courage to go outside uh, in my own city, my own neighborhood, where you, you always think you're going to meet someone that you know and be like i had to be an actress really and this was really really intense for me because i'm not i'm really not an actress but i don't know i and and i have to not only be an actress but i also have to find channel my inner masculine side whatever that means to me and find my alter ego like this carlos and completely change my setting and i had to explore like to to kind of yeah explore how is, what is it to move like a man in the street? And then meaning that every second of, of, of this performance, I was kind of questioning my own views on gender and how I see men and how I see a masculine attitude and what is a masculine attitude and what is a masculine body? Like am I, and all the time as well being like, am I being um, I, I don't know discovered by like do strangers Think that I'm a man or or a woman, that I am me or that I'm not me. And yeah, it was quite intense. I I really hated actually looking like a man in the sense that I I was so comfortable when the performance finished to be back in my own skin. And it gave me really a self-confident boost to get back into my own uh, skin after the thing.
0: One of the things that you do with this work, which I thought was quite fascinating, is that you kind of insist on building a degree of transparency into how you present the work. You know, you're presenting your thoughts and in sort of a diaristic way alongside the images. Why was that so important for you?
1: Yeah, as well, in in many or maybe all of my projects, I, I mix text and photos um, exactly to insist on this performativity aspect where it's not, and to insist on, like, it's not um, fiction. I don't know. Of course, text can be fiction, obviously, but to kind of make, create a little diary that I would write in this diary every morning when I was being transformed by by Amelie, the, the, uh, the makeup artist, and I would tell what happened the previous day and how I was feeling that morning and... I didn't know if I was going to include it in the end in the final project, but uh, I f- I found it interesting to, you know, put gather your thoughts and to create a narrative. And because all of, of the, all of the projects are e- eventually a story and have to have a beginning, middle, and end, and uh, text seems to me like a good way to create that frame. Um, it also creates a direct link with the viewer which is quite important and the fact that it's handwritten because this is something I didn't mention it's handwritten and therefore you can see yet another uh, layer of me another aspect and obviously handwritten creates like this intimacy effect I don't know and creates maybe more link to whoever's reading maybe makes it look more real and honest in a way.
0: Do you think about the audience while you're making the work?
1: Uh, sure, yeah. When I, when I do these performative projects, I, I want to make a project that would eventually touch somebody, someone. It's not that I'm, I'm thinking about them like, oh, will they like it or not like it? But it's more like, will this interest someone? Will this help someone? Will this make someone think about their own experience and life? Will this create a conversation with certain people? This is what I'm thinking about.
0: And do you think of the work as cathartic for you? Because obviously you're investigating quite personal subject matters. You bring a degree of yourself into the work. For sure. Totally art therapy.
1: (laughs) Totally, (laughs) totally. Every time I make a project, it's because it comes from a problem that I have, kind of. Right. So for sure, it's a way also for me to resolve that problem or at least create a conversation about this problem and bring in some other people to help me out (laughs) to resolve this (laughs) conversation.
0: I guess so many of your works have been so personal and therefore they require, in my mind, like a high level of like vulnerability, of giving visibility to things you've been going through and a commitment to kind of go there right to go to places which aren't always easy to get to so i wondered how you navigate kind of the physical and emotional weight of the personal subject matter you're dealing with because in my head it takes a lot to go there like emotionally and physically
1: yeah but for me it's like i said it's art therapy right so in this, in in a sense, in a way i love to do this kind of things. For example, especially when I'm uh, doing a project, uh, for example, the project that I did in Tokyo uh, for the Olympus Recommended um, Fellowship, I went to, to Tokyo for some weeks to question and to have discussions with a young Japanese uh, about their love life and their emotions and how they date and how they fall in love and so on. And then we would... Use each other's bodies to handwrite uh, our these love stories, and I would tell them my own about my own breakup that I was going through at this time. And often, of course, people ask me, "But uh, how can you deal with them seeing your maybe your ex boyfriend uh, in, in the museum or like having to talk about uh, this breakup all the time?" But for me, it's not even my breakup anymore. Of course, it's my breakup, but you know what I mean? Like I put this mm-hmm. story there and then it, it creates a distance from me. I see it more as now I relate this moment of sadness and breakup. And now I, I, I connected with Japan, with this project, with all this wonderful experience that I also had at this time. So it's not painful at all. And yeah, it creates like this cold distance between the the boiling emotional turmoil
0: and, uh, and, and the project. So the project you just mentioned is I Have Nothing to Tell You, which, as you said, you shot in Japan. I think it's one of those projects that's a great entry point for your work because it taps into performance while speaking to the themes of love and dating and gender and personal relationships. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what drew you to Japan in the first place.
1: Yeah, because... I had done previously Ola Mi in the Dominican Republic and I wanted to go at the opposite, solar opposite of like uh, Latin American uh, culture. I'm also French, so all this romance, sensuality, all of that, I wanted to go to the opposite and I've I've been to Japan once before, so I didn't also want to go somewhere that I didn't know anything about. Uh, And Japanese culture seem to be very reserved and very difficult to access. And there is kind of this taboo around emotions and love and dating and so on. There is also this um, demographic crisis where there is less and less uh, babies. And um, so therefore couples um, starting families and so on. So I found it interesting. And so this is is why I went there.
0: And you shot all the images on... Uh, rooftops in japan right right
1: because that was the only kind of private space within the public space because it's very difficult to access uh people's homes they usually especially the young people they usually live still with their families and it's a very yeah very private place that you would not invite someone that you just met so instead of being in a noisy cafe or park like i would um I would just break into these rooftops um, in in the middle of the city, and then yeah, that was the the best place for us to to write, to talk, to take the pictures. It was really nice.
0: One thing that kept coming back to me when I was thinking about talking to you was the idea of rituals. It feels like there's something quite ritualistic to your practice, in that you often like with the project you just described, you kind of build an experience to be a conduit for the work. So you set up, you know, you collaborated with different people on these rooftops and you did a similar thing with all of them, but obviously had unique experiences with everybody. And I wondered if ritual is important to you, this idea of... for sure, in every project, this
1: is also coming back to the performance aspect where I like, you know, I'm a person that makes lists. I'm a person that have very intense if I can, when I can, a uh, morning ritual. I like things being unpredictable and going with the unexpected and, and following people, of course. But I also, if I would do only that, then it would be just chaos all the time. So I like to frame things and have a process really helps me at the end as well when I'm editing and constructing this, this, the, the story because I'm I'm usually just going with the flow with this kind of little frame. And then afterwards, I let it sit for a while. And then afterwards, I would go back and edit. And then there, then and there, construct the, the narrative and the story and the, the full series. But so, yeah, uh, for example, when I shot um, Latin Lovers in New York, I decided that I would be, do only analog and then I would have, have only one role per person. Um, these little kind of uh, instructions help me not to scatter too much. And in Japan, it was, for example, I, I said only meet them a certain time, a certain amount of times, and uh, only have only paint on them with the color or paint on me with, with certain colors. Yeah, having always the same setup, which was these rooftops. Uh, And right now I just went to do a research project um, in Rome about yet again, (laughs) emotions and falling in love and so on Mm -hmm. this time with Roman teenagers and this time really teenagers, like still in high school. And I wanted to know about how they, what is the kind of the language of love today? Meaning like how do they talk to their, to their love interests with these new apps and, I was suspecting that maybe they don't write at all, but they only use images and selfies and videos and memes, and and it's become become way more visual than text based. How you maybe declare your love or flirt mm-hmm. and stuff like this. And anyway, uh, this there I also had this very specific process where I would meet this time in a very public cafe and shoot with my iPhone like a video interview. And then have some analog pictures taken afterwards. And it was I would repeat that all the time.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a bit of improv, this idea of like Mm -hmm. setting up a stage and then you just lean into it and just see what happens. Have you ever done any training as like (laughs) actor training or anything? No,
1: it scares me so much. Yeah, no, it's it sounds crazy because I'm really shy and yet you know, when I see my portfolio, I'm like, what, how did I do that? I don't even, <laughs> I don't know how I did that. I'm scared to get yeah, to, to public speaking to, no, no, no. I don't know. But I don't know. Then the interest, the subject interests me so much and I don't feel so much like I'm acting because it's out of fiction or it's performance. So, you know, I don't have to be in front of the public. I just do my own thing, meet certain
0: people And gain courage there. Yeah, one of the things related to that that I heard you talk about is this importance of you being present in your emotions in the day that you're doing the performance. So, you know, really embracing if you feel, you know, if you've woke up and you feel shitty, you're kind of leaning into that. You're leaning into your state of mind in the day, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, exactly. With this uh, Japan
1: project, I was not supposed to do that at all. (laughs) I was supposed to go there and. Explore you know these hostess host and hostess clubs, and like really, like the more dark and very sexual part of Tokyo and all these taboos, and I was gonna date I was gonna hire people to date me because that's a service there and i was I was gonna go in that direction, but I arrived there and I had my heart broken, and uh, I was like, no, I'm not gonna go and do something very kinky, very something that I'm not in the mood for that so I just completely accepted that I wanted to talk about my breakup and I wanted to talk about love and I wanted to hear other people's breakups and love stories so maybe it would help me out help, help me get out of that 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 state or inspire me or just you know it's really nice to to be able to share this kind of experience with strangers like everyone has such a different vision on on life and relationships so yeah that's what i decided to do
0: yeah while obviously performativity is so important and your personal history is so relevant to the work there's a huge element of collaboration in your practice and and bringing in other people's humanity and their experiences it feels like collaboration is almost as important as those other elements
1: Yeah, uh, the project Am I in Public Space, the one I transformed into my alter ego, is probably the only one where I'm alone. Because otherwise, yeah, it's it's always a, a, a back and forth between me and another person, or sometimes just the other person. But yeah, I like to, of course, then if I am the only person in the, in the project, then I I go back to this feeling of like, would this interest anyone? Or is this just a little ego trip for myself? I don't know. I feel like it's just way more interesting when, when you are talking about, when you're linking your experience to others.
0: Yeah. So it kind of fascinates me that you mention the possibility of the work being read as, I can't remember the word you used, but kind of self-reflective or self-indulgent because you know these themes are so vital to our existence as humans and how we connect to each other that you know if we were talking about any other subject matter I don't know loss, trauma, Mm. uh, illness and 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 an artist use their personal experience I don't think they would worry so much about it being portrayed like that and I can't help but think that I totally get your concerns I think they're really valid but part of me thinks those concerns come from being a woman in our industry where we are often judged a hell of a lot harder than other people and you know there are certain things where people you know box us into talking about or things we shouldn't talk about do you know what I
1: mean yeah for sure
0: now that you say it
1: out loud yeah for sure that could be a total explanation. Always kind of walking on eggshells, like, like, am I allowed to do that? How is it gonna be perceived? Like this, pro- the Olamiamol project. Like, oh my God, slut shaming. Is it like? there's so many, or yeah, when I when I I I often did some projects where I show my body, and uh, yeah, it's always a question. Like, uh, is its it, is it going to be where I'm received? Is it going to be criticized because I show my body? Is it going to be misinterpreted? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's kind of mad, isn't it, that we're still dealing with this? I think about it a lot. I think about a lot of artists, female identifying artists who use their body and, and all of the shit that they get because mm-hmm. of that. And it's just another material, right? We really don't think about it when other artists do that. It is really interesting.
1: I I must say that, to be fair, um, it's a bit sad, but it mainly comes from me, like uh, these questions, because in the end, probably people are saying whatever they want to say, but to my face or to my social media or direct messages to me, no, never. Like this doesn't happen anymore, or at least maybe I'm lucky, but I've never been openly slut-shamed or Mm -hmm. having like weird comments Like, you know, it's mainly comes from me that I'm afraid that I'm going to get these kind of comments, which is something I have to stop.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like our own inculcated misogyny, right? That's what we're carrying. But we're kind of programmed by society to carry that. That's why, you know, sometimes when we go out, we think about what we wear and where we're going. It's like almost like a subconscious instinct that's kind of been built into us. It's just interesting to hear you grappling with that because the work is so strong and so bold and Thank courageous. You. It's really interesting to hear, you know, that you're wrestling with that. And I think that's just so human and so important for people to hear that sort of internal battle. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, Hola Miamol, which obviously was your a really big project for you, really successful book. It got a lot of attention. It kind of catapulted you in the art world. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that first experience of success and what it was like and how you managed it. Um, And then if you felt pressure to follow up after that project.
1: Well, yeah, uh, it was totally unexpected. So it was my diploma project. So it was something that I did, you know, in school, in my little bubble, with like my teachers and my classmates and that's it. And then suddenly it got, I mean, not suddenly because actually I have to say my, my photo book teacher is my publisher. So it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I was lucky enough that I, that my project was the first one that he wanted to publish from the school. And, we, and then in less than a year, we made it look like a real book, like a real photo book and we published it super quickly just uh yeah just uh, the next summer so I didn't have really much time to to develop this this project to think about it better I don't know it, it just happened really fast and then when it got published it got quite like, like you said it got quite a good reception um but I guess i i was just graduated so for me it was just all bonus all happiness all proud (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and then i i quickly had to to make a living and uh, to make new work so it all kind of uh how do you say um Snowballed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it all snowballed. I directly after I did my my diploma project and before it was even uh, published, I got a grant and went to New York to make the Latin Lover project, where I made portraits about the Dominican Yorks, so the Dominican men uh, living in New York. And this time it was really about them, and I was not so involved anymore. Um so that was a direct response or like uh, sequel to Olamlamol and then I got uh, this other opportunity to go to Japan and make this this other work and so I didn't have really the the time but I must say um maybe last year I had a lot of pressure because I had um made quite some quite a lot of projects one after the other and then comes a time where you're like okay now, now what <laughs> now mm-hmm. what you cannot repeat yourself and you cannot uh, not do anything um, when we have this pressure to always you know uh, feed in the social media monsters and be super mm-hmm. present and so on so it was a bit of a kind of question mark time rough time I don't know but also it was a pandemic, and so I have to always remind myself to take a chill pill.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, actually, like you
1: know, one project every year or every second year, or even even every three year, if it's a good project, is more than enough. But we are always we. I, I, if I would listen to myself, I would make four projects a year. But then it's just no, it doesn't work like that.
0: It take, I think it takes confidence to get to that realization though, right? Because there's so much pressure when you're starting out to put yourself out there and establish yourself and, and create your voice. But oh, it's only after a few years that I think you realize, okay, actually, you know, I, I want to be doing this for a long time. I want yeah, to be doing this exactly. for a long time. Like I've got to sustain myself like yeah. and my yeah mentality as much as anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned there the transition between – you know, being an artist and making money and surviving—how have you found that journey?
1: I mainly—I um, don't know how do I do this. <laughs> well, I obviously balance between personal projects and commission work, but I mainly was lucky enough to get some grants in Switzerland. There is a great support system for emergent artists, and I got. I got some some help from from this government, from this Foundation for Culture in Switzerland. Then I also got supported by some festivals and museums that would exhibit my work. And then when I was exhibiting my work, I got requests to sell my prints. I have to say when I exhibited in foam in Amsterdam, this is where I had the most uh, requests and it was super lovely to be able to print and sign especially for one person I don't know there was this kind of like it was super lovely to be able to sell directly to collectors and not like big collectors but just like normal people who wanted to decorate their living room and they would choose you Mm -hmm. and your work would resonate the most to them so they wanted it in their house like I found that so so nice and humbling and yeah it was amazing and then yeah just commission work working for press i think living making a living as an artist in switzerland is way more uh, manageable than if i would go back to france i'm very scared that i have to go back to france one day because there there's no support for emerging artists or at least i don't really know it
0: yeah it's tough isn't it it is really mm-hmm. tough trying to juggle everything because also the process of applying for grants, you know, there's a lot of labor involved in that. It's not an easy, it's not an easy process. Yeah. I've got a few more things I want to ask you. I could ask you questions all day. Um, (laughs) One of the things that I find so exciting about what you're doing, thinking about performance, but also you kind of occupy lots of different roles within your work. You're the photographer, you're the artist, you're the director, you're the performer, sometimes you're the subject. Sometimes you're even the set or the surface within the image, and I think it's so fascinating to see you move between all these different realms in in a in a way that is kind of multiple and generative. Are you conscious of kind of breaking those boundaries between all those different roles, or is it just something kind of intuitive that you've always done? It's actually the first time that I
1: hear it like this, and and uh, I I think yeah, it, it totally makes. I mean, it's surprising to hear it like this. But I feel like it's totally intuitive because I've I've never said to myself, I want to manage every department. Or, of course, I say to myself, like, I kind of want to have control over everything that I make, especially when it's a very personal subject. But, no, totally intuitive, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's so powerful. I think it's just really interesting the way you inscribe meaning upon your active body but in all of these different roles it's just yeah it's really interesting I'm excited to see how it develops you have a new show opening in Paris Mm -hmm. this year called Another Love Story which is rooted again in personal experience I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the work and what motivated it
1: Mm -hmm. so this is the most personal (laughs) okay this is very scary for me and at the same time there's no way I'm not gonna do it you know what I mean like I've been after well, I'm gonna tell what it is. It's about a breakup. Okay. (laughs) Okay. A brutal breakup. A brutal breakup. Actually it's with the same person. So yeah. It's the second breakup of it's kind of that is why as well I'm I'm putting it out there because I've talked about two breakups and they're with the same within the same relationship. So it's kind of like the sequel of what happened uh, after the first breakup. <laughs> Just the second one. Um and it's it's because uh the Maison Européenne de la Photographie, the Museum of Photography of Paris, um they asked me if I could make a project about love because they have like this. It's, it's going to be called uh, love songs. And so every exhibition within that, within that time are going to be about love. But love through the eyes of the photographer, meaning like their own love stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're going to show Araki and Nan Golding, these kind of uh, photographers. And for me, they, yeah, they asked me that. So at first I wanted to make something very positive uh, because I was back with that person after that breakup that first breakup. And I wanted to make something very romantic and very positive and very cliche in a way, but completely like, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to make it that way. And then this brutal uh, thing happened and uh, I could not talk about it positively anymore. So then of course I asked myself, what should stay within the personal and what should be the way public? even though it's not going to be in the papers or anything, but you know what I mean, like, what can I expose or not? And yet again, what is interesting, because I'm not uh, uh, not writing a novel, I'm, I'm doing a photo project, so what is interesting to see as well? Basically, the project is about, uh, t- tells the a one-year relationship that I had with this person, from the moment we got back together from to the moment that I discovered that this person had a double life with another person with another woman and in the show I disclosed this uh, phone call that I had with the other woman so again there is a text-based element a very important one because it explains everything you're seeing because in this during this phone call, we realize we are each other's other woman. And then uh, on the photo-based uh, part, it's the collection of all the perfect couple images that we ha- that we made during that year. So we would go to vacation, we would see each other in France and Switzerland, blah blah blah. Like all these perfect Instagramable. Um, sunset, morning, food, making food, blah, 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 all of these things. Uh, I collected all of these pictures and I reenacted them with a double, with an actor. And this was a way to kind of take back that story in my own hands. And again, performing, I kind of reenacted the whole love story because obviously discovering that your partner has a double life is completely, completely crazy. You feel yeah, like you're right. in another dimension, a movie or whatever. And as well, you feel like you didn't like everything was a lie, of course, but like you are a lie. Everything, the table is a lie, the space, the air you breathe, everything is a lie. So re making like reshooting these lovely images with someone else, but with myself, was a way to rewrite. That story and kind of make it exist like this did happen and this is my story and this is how I want to tell it so that was really interesting and it was and it was again like wow well, next level art, art, art therapy <laughs> <laughs> like it, it helped me so much it was very weird all my friends were very concerned <laughs> are you sure you want to do this are you sure you want to go to the lake with like the guy that looks exactly like your evil ex are you sure I was like yeah I know it sounds very weird but I kind of need and want to do this and as well like I want to I'm not gonna let this uh, work opportunity go by just because a guy fucked me over you know
0: it sounds amazing I mean the show itself sounds amazing your project sounds incredible you know it makes me think and this is a kind of a annoying question so I apologize in advance but like how are you always navigating the space between how much is fiction and how much is reality like how do you juggle that Mm,
1: I just try to always be the middle so I try to visualize this line between this is why as well like this double thing is important to me in this particular project because then it creates this blurriness about like but did she really have this relationship and was this picture really originally like that so i give a lot of myself but at the same time i could also say at any point given like this is all false you are imagining mm-hmm. everything and it doesn't matter in the end what is true or not it matters to me that some parts are true so i can hang on to them and create like an honest project an honest um reflection like a reflection in my head and propose to you something honest but in the end it doesn't matter like if it happened in june in july or whatever it's just a good way for me to convey like a more universal message Mm. but yeah it's also a way to protect myself to not to be in that middle and as well it also like always questions you know like the like performativity is this, like what is real, what is
0: active. Yeah. Same as photography, actually thinking right, about yeah, it. For sure. Yeah. That, that's why they work so well together.
1: Yeah.
0: The last few years you've explored lots of different aspects and approaches to performance. What have you learned along the way and how are you thinking about performativity going forward in your practice?
1: I think I'm going to, to follow always my instinct. Like I, like this, This last project that I did has a lot of performativity in it. And then now I'm working on these teenager projects and related to the language of love, you know, and there I don't plan to include myself at all. So it really depends on the project. Do I need to step in? Do I need to, do I need or do I want? Do I want to, to connect it with something that I live to make it stronger or does it, is it, is it okay that it's just about these particular stories that have nothing to do with me? What comes to mind is just that, for example, now I have to kind of prep a little bit more about my acting skills and performative skills and just my overall shyness because I want to make kind of a part two to a man in public space in a, in Paris, like in much, much bigger city, of course, and... On in a long on a longer period of time. um This is something that I'm planning maybe for 2023, and so there I'm gonna really have to step up my game, and I cannot just be like, "Oh, I'm afraid to be in the streets." Like I'm gonna have to be. It's it's gonna be way more like a performance more than a photo project for sure.
0: Do you have any rituals that you do to get ready for a performance? before when you know, you know, you've got a day of it ahead of you.
1: No, not really. I really I really push it
0: to the to the last minute. <laughs> right. That kind of maybe is your ritual, right? <laughs> yeah. Not like overthinking it. Yeah. So I just have a few quick fire questions for you. So the first quick fire question is how do you deal with self-doubt? I don't.
1: I self-doubt all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's very honest. We all do. <laughs> I think it's a great thing actually, so. <laughs> And how has success changed your work? Um, it
1: no, it didn't. I still, because I still think like, I mean, what is success? Success to me is having my solo at MoMA. So I'm really not successful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm really not there yet. So nothing has changed. I'm still on the way.
0: Okay. What does art making enable you to do? I'll be more comfortable
1: with my body, showing my body in like very raw non-retouched it's not that I've retouched my body anywhere else but you know what I mean like having that confidence Yeah. yeah for sure
0: and has there been anything you've had to unlearn in your career so far if you're talking about certain subjects you will not be right I mean there's no right or
1: wrong actually and you always have to question yourself always have to respect others opinions and be careful and to not say like to not offend anybody and do your research
0: and do you think that photographs ha- still have the power to kind of shift thinking or shift consciousness?
1: Yeah, for sure. For for me, since I'm mixing it with something else, maybe it's, not, it's a hypocrite answer because photograph, for, photography alone, to me, maybe not. But if mm-hmm. it's mixed with something else, um, yeah, then yes.
0: To finish up I wanted to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the show what matters more to you the process of making the work or the final project
1: I guess I would say the process of making but especially I really really love that last step maybe not while I'm making it because it's also chaotic I don't know what I'm doing if I'm doing it right if it's going to make sense it's always a bit confusing so it's not particularly satisfying <laughs> it's just a lot of questions and deadlines and so on but like I said before then I, I let things rest and then I go back to it and I print everything 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 I put everything on the walls and then I look like <laughs> I look like I'm solving a crime you know on these shows mm-hmm. and I'm <laughs> creating dots and like tracing stuff and I look like a mad person but it's amazing because then you really see you I feel like I'm I mean yeah I mean like uh, is that wheel wheel hunting you know when you see (laughs) you see connections and everything is clear suddenly and and you're like okay I I got it I got a project I got I got a message I got something to say and it looks good to me so in this moment of making is is the best then you know the end result is not so, so fun anymore because it's about like framing and hanging and where and how and the costs and no it's not so fun anymore
0: well thanks so much for coming on the podcast carla it was honestly awesome to speak to you thank you so much for having me thanks for listening to the messy truth you can find more information about today's guests in the show notes theme music is changed by judd greenstein from the album awake and design is by ruby white you can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at jemfletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at jemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts.